0: Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is so recapping the weekends of December 16th through the 18th, and December 23rd through the 25th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Here we are, the final episode of this year. Uh, this is a bit later than I anticipated. I got COVID uh, between last episode and now, which made recording this podcast kind of rough. Um, I also had to change my holiday plan, so I was no longer traveling out of state, which means I'm now actually able to record this episode here. Luckily, I'm all over the pot, the, the COVID. Uh, and, you know, again, this did give me a chance this past weekend to cover some pa- some Oscar hopefuls and their openings, uh, which is pretty interesting, actually. On top of that, you know, we're going to be looking at, uh, top of looking at the last couple of weeks of box office. We're also going to do a little gander at the top box office stories from the last year, both my predictions for you know which films will open and gross $100 million, and then just the top headlines and stories I think that defined this year. First off, looking at the weekend of December 16th, uh, the only real story was, of course, Avatar The Way of Water opening. No other films opened, technically there were two others, but they made less than $3,000 each. Uh, the forecast for Avatar 2 had been about 150 to 170 million domestically. It came in a little bit sort of that 134 million in 4,202 theaters for 31,913 per theater average. Daily drops were pretty good: 53 million on Friday, including the previews; 44 million, 17% on Saturday, and then 36, another 17% drop on Sunday. Now, this does come below expectations, but it's by no means the end of the world. First off, it's the holidays, right? Many people are off work, weekdays are going to be stronger than previously, and week-over-week drops are not going to be as steep. Um, Apparently, 20% of the pre-sales for Avatar were not for opening weekend, but for actually afterwards. Uh, Compare that to a normal Marvel film, where only about 5% of film's pre-sales are not in the first weekend. Uh, Reviews have also been pretty excellent. You It has an A Cinema score, 92% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. And then there's also no real major blockbuster competition until February 17th. Um, This will have a clear runway, much like No Way Home did a year ago, to just make bank week over week. Plus, you know, while it did come below expectations, those expectations were just frankly really, really high, right? I mean, you know, this is still twice the opening of the original Avatar, the sixth best opening in December ever behind only Marvel films and Star Wars. And of course, this doesn't even touch the international numbers, right? Avatar hit $441 million globally with $307 million worldwide overseas. That $441 million is just a touch behind Doctor Strange's $442 million uh, from this year, which is the second highest opening of 2022 globally. Uh, uh, notably, in China, it did open the $56.8 million, again below the hoped for $100 million due to a rise in COVID c- cases over there, uh, even if theaters have reopened. Now, funnily enough, also, uh, also looking overseas, much like Endgame, it was number one in pretty much every country it opened in except one, Japan. It came in number two behind, despite the widest opening ever for a film there, uh, making $3.6 million against... The anime movie of slam dunk the basketball the basketball series. So you know 4.13 million in its third weekend. Go figure Japan loves their anime. Um, we'll talk about the second weekend numbers for Avatar in a second because that's going to be a lot more relevant to its success. Um, but first off the rest of the weekend of the 16th, nothing too crazy. Everything just basically shifted down a spot. Black Panther dropped 52% to $5.3 million in week 6 for $418 million domestic total. It is now the second highest domestic film of the year behind only Top Gun Maverick, at least until Avatar catches up. It also passed Batman uh, an $800 million globally for the number 6 global of the year. Uh, Violent Night in week 3 dropped 42% to $5 million for a $35 million domestic total. Um, again, that is uh, a $20 million uh, production budget, and given it has pretty decent overseas numbers, uh, you know it, it's profitable at this point. Strange World in its fourth weekend came to Disney Plus, uh, but somehow made 2.2 million, another 42 percent drop for 33 million dollar domestic total again against its 200 million production budget. And then the menu from Searchlight dropped 41 percent to 1.6 million for 32 million domestic total, um, similar to its 30 million dollar production budget. So it might break even given the international numbers, but not super likely. Outside of that, there were screenings for you know, Christmas films like It's a Wonderful Life and Elf, though those made less than a million total each. And then The Whale had a solid per theater op- average op- um, opening its first weekend, uh, dropped about 56% in its second weekend, the sixth theaters, uh, for 24,000 per theater average. Overall, total box office for the week of the 16th was $153 million, again, 87% of which was Avatar Way of Water. Now moving to this past Christmas weekend, it was a battle for second place. Of course, as Avatar clearly would hold number one. It dropped fifty three percent to sixty three point three million in four thousand two hundred two theaters for fifteen thousand and seventy three per theater average and a two sixty one million domestic total as of Sunday. Now this is no two percent drop of the original Avatar film, but certainly it's still better than other blockbusters this year with sixty plus percent drops. Though the twenty sixth through the twenty sixth, you know, since many places have had a long weekend, it made another thirty two million over the weekend for. $90 million for the long weekend and $293 million domestic through Sunday, 26% ahead of the first Avatar in the first uh, 11 days. Now, part of the decline could be potentially attributed to that major winter bomb snow- storm that affected most of the country, with many places being blanketed by snow, not to mention holiday travel seeing a lot of issues. Uh, globally, Avatar has hit $855.4 million through Sunday across 54 54- to 52 markets. Uh, China saw a 55% drop uh, to $25.9 million this past weekend. That's in the film's original run, but still, given COVID concerns, I will take it. Uh, Actually, you know, writing this and releasing this uh, on Wednesday, this actually just hit a billion dollars last night as I record this episode. We'll probably see it hit 1.2 billion globally by next year. Uh, moving to the rest of the domestic slate you know most films didn't want to open the opposite avatar so they moved, waited for a week uh, coming in second place is hopefully the answer for the lack of good animated kid films uh, Puss in Boots The Last Wits was opened on Wednesday uh, for the three day weekend it made $12.4 million for an $18.5 million lifetime total in 4,099 theaters a 3032 per theater average for the weekend a bit short of the $16 million that box office pros had forecast for them but still a reasonable opening uh, Monday brought in another 6 point eight million for twenty six million dollars total to date. Globally it's made thirty two point five million overseas for a fifty eight point six million lifetime total. Reported at a budget of ninety million dollars, which is very reasonable for a CG animated film. It has a lack of competition until the Mario movie in April. So this was a an out to profitability and even $100 million uh, domestically quite comfortably. Uh, it'll probably also be nominated for animated feature at the Oscar so that'll help it further. Plus you know the A cinema score and high 90s Rotten Tomatoes certainly don't help. Uh, third place was the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, which opened the 4.7 million in 3,625 theaters for the three day weekend for a per theater average of 14, 14, 1,314. Not great, especially since forecasts had it closer to 10 million, almost twice as much. And while it did get an A cinema score and strong audience reception, uh, the critics didn't like it so much, putting at 45%. I'm guessing what this resonated mostly with the Houston fa- fans, a strong uh, over indexing of 38% African American, 45% over 45 years old, but I didn't. I don't think it broke out beyond that. Now that said, while it did at least, un, it did underperform. It did at least find its audience and was ignored basically by everyone else. The same cannot be said of the fourth place film Babylon, which dropped uh, from Paramount and opened it to a paltry 3.6 million dollars over the f- three days, 4.8 million over the four day weekend. This is the sixth worst opening for a film in over 3,000 theaters of all time. So yeah, that's pretty bad. Now, Damien Chazelle, this this is a Damien Sozel led film, three hours long. It's a it's a tribute to old Hollywood and all the excess that of that period uh, contains. Reportedly, it costs about one hundred and ten million dollars with a sizable marketing budget. Uh, you know, meaning that this even is reportedly about two hundred and fifty million dollars globally somehow Margot Robbie ended up in a film in in a film this year that opened less than Amsterdam Um, so yeah a lot can be said for why this know, perhaps the audience would be most interested in old Hollywood you know generally an older audience would not be as into the depictions of sex and drug use and apparently elephant poop uh, in what is already a very lengthy film when there was another three hour film competing for eyeballs Avatar Um, I haven't seen the film myself so I can't comment too much more on that but regardless audience reception was not uh, there um, you know it was not there like like Cizelle's previous film La, La Land or another Christmas Day release about excess. Wolf of Wall Street uh, Babylon came in with a 55% critic score and a 49% audience score with a C plus cinema score which is certainly divisive I think the play from Paramount was hopefully for it to play well during award season which means that there's still a chance it'll get some nominations it did pretty well at the Oscar shortlist list on the technical merits um, but as far as box office goes um, it looks like you know the only return that Paramount can hope for here is to get the prestige of having some uh, some more Oscars to add to this. Yourself, um, But yeah, after this and this little weekend, I don't think this is going to break even at all. A bit of a same since, you know, Paramount, aside from Positive Fury this year, had been on a roll. A rounding out of the top five, Violent Night in, hangs in there with a 30% drop to $3.5 million this weekend and a $41.9 million domestic total. Outside of the top five, The Whale expanded to 603 theaters for a $1 million total in 7th place and a $2.5 million running total. Um, Woman Talking, another Oscar contender, opened in eight theaters for a p- paltry $40,000 or $5,000 per theater average. Pretty bad for the supposedly a major Oscar contender. Uh, meanwhile, Corsage, the Austrian entry for the international category at the Oscars, opened in two theaters in New York for $32,000 for a $16k per theater average, the highest non avid per theater average of the weekend. Uh, and in Living, another Oscar contender, mostly for Bill Nighy uh, an actor and adapted an screenplay, opened in three theaters for 7500 per theater average. Um, Black Adam also ended its run at $167 million total, this shortly after the news that Black Adam will no longer be a part of James Gunn's DCU, as confirmed by The Rock himself on social media. Total box office this week dipped below $100 million, $94.5 million total. There aren't any major releases this weekend set to come out, and the next major release I think will be January 6th, with the Universal robot horror film Megan, as well as some Oscar films limited releases. Right, those are some other quick highlights before we do our end-of-the-year wrap-up. Uh, Glass Onion reportedly was screened 82 million hours in the three days between its release and Christmas, so about you know 35 million to- households total. Uh, these numbers are kind of hard to decipher, but I'll take that as a good sign. Uh, bring it back to theaters, Netflix, please. Uh, meanwhile, their Oscar hopeful Bardo from Netflix came to the streamer and hasn't yet broken into the top 10. Uh, from the same news article, Failments also seems to be pretty sicky on the VOD market. And further, than Netflix rose. Apparently, they actually had so few people sign up for their ad-supported tier recently. Only nine percent of new signups. That they actually ended up having to refund advertisers who had signed up to pay the crazy sixty-five dollar uh, CPMS for their for their ads. Uh, they had to re- refund them since they wouldn't be able to deliver all of the all of the uh, impressions. Moving to some movie dates, uh, the Adam Driver science fiction film Sixty Five pushed back its release date by a week from March tenth to March seventeenth next year. A uh, Taika Waititi soccer film, Next Goal Wins, moved from April twenty first to September twenty second, probably to try to sync up with the awards season film festival circuit. Um, anime series Spy Family uh, confirmed an anime film uh, to be coming sometime next year, uh, continuing that trend of anime series to getting turned into films. Uh, looking forward to seeing that Waku Waku if you know you know. Uh, Not a movie, but Henry Cavill seems to have moved on quickly from the Superman fiasco. Uh, He has signed on with Amazon to sign to to star in and executive produce a Warhammer Forty Thousand film and TV franchise for the Emperor. And then Warner Brothers Discovery is set to take an additional eight hundred million dollars in content and development write-offs this year quarter, probably tied to more axed projects, uh, including Westworld. And finally, Fandango ran a poll for the most anticipated films for next year, the results are in the first place, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, second, Spider-Man Across the spider third, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, fourth, John Wick, Chapter 4, fifth, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, sixth, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, seventh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, eighth, The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, ninth is Queen 3, and then tenth is the Super Mario Bros. movie. So that's the last box office weekend to go over for the year. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, you know, let's go ahead and, and before we go on our holiday break, I want to do a quick look back at this year. Um, first, let's check my predictions for which films would open to $100 million and which ones would gross $100 million total. Now, at the start of the year, I said that, we would, that the following seven films would open to at least $100 million, and in the end, I got six correct. You know, I said that if we had hit six of seven uh, films for $100 million, in line with pre-pandemic numbers, I believe 2019 only had six films also open to $100 million, uh, we'd be on our way to recovery. Um, those films, uh, The films I predicted to open $100 million were The Batman, which opened to $134 million. Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness opened to $187 million. Jurassic World Dominion opened to $145 million. Thor 411 Thunder opened to $144 million, Black Path and Wakanda opened to $181 million, and then Avatar Way of Water opened to $134 million. Uh, My only failure was Lightyear, which opened to $50 million, however it did end up making $115 million by the end of its run. And in addition, there were two films I thought would make I would make $100 million, but I did not predict them to actually open to $100 million. So, really, we hit 8 out of 7 of my forecasts for films that opened to $100 million. Uh, these were Top Gun Maverick, opened to $126 million, and then Minions Rise of Grew, opening to $107 million. Now you know. In addition to those those films, there were films I thought would open to 100 million, but not gross but would gross 100 million by the end of the run. Now at the end of the year, I predicted 10 other films, uh, not including Minions or Top Gun: Maverick. However, of these six, uh, of these six ended up get, getting delayed to next year. Mission Impossible, Across the Spider first, The Flash, Aquaman, Mario, and Creed Three, and then Turning Red ended up being put on Disney Plus only without with, without a theatrical release. So of the remaining three, I got two correct. Uh, Morbius was the the Performer, making only $73 million, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 did make $190 million domestic, and then uh, Black Adam grossed $167 million at the end of its run. I also had some films I thought had potential, all three of which I got correct. Uh, Uncharted grossed $147 million, The Lost City grossed $105 million, and then Bullet Train grossed $103 million. So in total, that was 14 out of 22 films. I predicted we get to 100 million by the end of the year, though seven really never stood a chance due to being delayed or put on Disney Plus. So really, you know, I am like, you know, 14 out of 15. Um, 2021 had 13 total at the time, though it looks like it's now 14. Um, so I thought we'd do better by about, tw- maybe about 20 films or so, um, about halfway to the 30 films of 2019. Now that said, there were some other surprises bringing our numbers up from that 14. Uh, nope ended up making 122 million by the end of its in hindsight, I probably should have seen this coming. Uh, us and Galad both made 175 million dollars. So like, you know, I half predicted it could make it, but it didn't fully commit. So I'm not gonna give that my a point for myself. Uh, Elvis ended up being a long-running hit over the summer, making 151 million dollars. Again, sort have of seen it coming. Baz Luhrmann made 144 million with *Great Gatsby*. *Bohemian Rhapsody* killed it at 216, and *Rocket Man* at 96 million was pretty close for other musical biopics. And then Smile came out of the complete left field, I don't think anyone predict- predicted this one, made $105 million for its kill for a killer run. So in total, we had 17 films, uh, making it to a hundred million for the year. There's a chance we get one more film. I think Puss in Boots, um, you know, has, can take advantage of the lack of good kids films over the second half of the year combined with strong word of mouth, pent up the man, uh, I'll counter play to, uh, Avatar, the ba- box, Avatar at the box office. Um, you know, box office post has it at 95 to 160 million over its run domestically. So I think, you know, maybe we'll get to 18. Uh, either way, I'll end up sort of my 20 film prediction. Um, Though again, most of those were because I thought films that would be this year ended up getting pushed last year. Um, So, you know, I guess technically, if those films make 100 million in 2023, I'll be right retroactively. Um, But yeah, still, I think it's upward progress from last year. You know, we have 18 films making 100 million this year versus 14 of last year. So, you know, I think pretty darn good. Now I admit I did have some wild speculations. Uh, Even though I didn't commit to these being 100 million uh, for my count, uh, I thought you know, *Downton Abbey*, which made 42 million, could maybe get there. *Easter Sunday* was definitely not going to get there. In hindsight, 12 million dollars. *Amsterdam*, 15 million. *Lionel Crocodile*, 46 million. *Halloween*, and 64 million. And then uh, *Babylon*, unfortunately, I thought would do well, but you know, it ended up you know probably not going to even make 30 million dollars at this point. I also threw out a speculative guess for Glass Onion, though really this one didn't have a chance given that Netflix cut off its legs after only a single week in theater, so I, can't, I don't think you can hold that against me. Now, I didn't predict how many billion dollar films it would be this year, but if I'm honest with myself, looking at, it, at the back at the slate of the film from the beginning of the year, ignoring those that got pushed back, I would have said Avatar, uh, Jurassic World, Doctor Strange, and Minions probably would have made it. Um, as it is, you know, the latter two did end up missing, but we did get the surprise of Top Gun Maverick making it to a billion this year. So, as it is, we have three billion dollar films this year, which is no nine films from 2019. we um, will likely never see again, but uh, from 2015. To 2018, you know, we're at four to five billion years, uh, four to five billion dollar films a year those years. So, you know, given that we only had one film last year, No Way Home, um, I think that we may, you know, I think we'll probably be, uh, I think we'll consider this like a bit of a recovery, though, frankly speaking, I don't know if we're going to uh, repeat even three films next year, um, given the slate of films. But, you know, that's a topic for another episode. Now, as far as, you know, top stories, um, you know, rather than pure numbers, you know, uh, rather than I'll go, this is my kind of somewhat subjective list, uh, we'll go from worst to best. Um So, you know, top five worst plus some honorable mentions um so first off honorable mention uh regal going into bankruptcy you never like to see it happen they're restructuring so you know that's definitely not a good look for for regal um another honorable mention um is you know um netflix earlier this year in the second quarter i believe reported that they had a decrease in subscribers for the first time um this led to them you know adopting you know the uh the you know, cutting production from a lot that, that they were that they were planning, um, especially in animation, and then also introducing the ad-supported tier list, which you know just goes to say so there's only a limit to so how much a, a streaming service can do, and you really need the theatrical stuffs. And you know, their decision to not keep Glass Onion in theaters, I think, was a major alpha. Um, and then another honorable mention, Bros. Now, you know, if this was, you know. If this had just come and gone, um, I don't think it would have been too much of a big deal, right? It's like, you know, another, uh, another rom-com, which, you know, generally haven't done super well at the box office. Um, but I think this one just kind of jumped up into our momentum territory, just because of how much Billy Eichner was whining about the box office performance uh, in, uh, on Twitter. Uh, moving on to my actual worst, uh, number five was Morbius. Um, you know, I mean, it kind of sparked its own memes. You know, it's Morbin Time is, you know, one of the films ever. But I mean, the fact that Sony doubled down and re-released the film after seeing the social media engagement around Morbius, thinking it would actually translate to people ironically viewing it in theaters, uh, definitely not a good look. And, you know, again, it was one of the only films I thought would make $100 million this year that ended up falling short. So I'm going to consider that uh, number five L for the year. A number four L of the year, I think, would be the Oscar films in general. I mean, this is probably most highlighted uh, by by Babylon just crashing and burning so hard, but you have other films, right? Like Said, for example, really not doing well. I um, mean, even some films that did okay, really not breaking out, right? I mean, like the highest per theater average of the year was somewhere in, like the $60,000 range for The Whale, um, 50,000 50, for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, consider that, you know, Liquorice Pizza the year before in 2021 had an 80,000 per theater average. Nothing's come close. To Of that. The Fablements has been kind of disappointing. This isn't the Leave, didn't really break out. Um, Even The Woman King, until, right? Um, Those are films that, you know probably won't be breaking even at the box office. Um and you know, and I and and I think that um you know there's definitely is a shift I think in the and in even Tar, right? Like and I think there's a shift in the way that these Oscar films are being perceived and I think the art house circuit specifically is really struggling still to recover, right? Like a lot of the recovery metrics are total box office with a number of hundred million dollar films. It's these smaller independent films and art circuits films that are really struggling right, right now so you know we'll see how it continues in next year but i don't think it's it, the trend's going to reverse anytime soon uh, third biggest L of the year, I think, was China in general. You know, after the the release of the after the, the spread of the Omicron variant late last year, um, the China zero COVID policy just ended up not really working, right? Um, and you know, you have films like Moonfall, which you know ended up um, you know ended up uh, being financed by China, really not panning out. And then in China, adding in the geopolitical situation, blocking a lot of you know Western Hollywood films like Doctor Strange or whatever, keeping films from getting to a billion dollars, right? That very well could have made a billion. I mean, you know, that is, you know, for the box office industry as a whole, definitely not looking good. And, you know, side note to to China, right, I think related to it, though, maybe like 3B, for example, I would call it, is Russia, right? Obviously, the Ukraine situation led many studios and most companies boycotting, uh, you know, and no longer working in Russia, which, again, kind of is a similar situation where they ended up, um, you know, pulling back, right? Um, And to I guess 3C to a degree is, you know, films uh, that uh, display LGBT content, you know, you have more conservative countries like in the Middle East, which is a growing market, um, really limiting the number of how the international potential of these films. Uh, the second biggest L of the year, I think, comes from Warner Brothers with their merger with Discovery. Uh, I mean, you know, I think. I, can't, I I won't say that the Jason killer regime of of HBO Max and day and date releases worked, right? I think definitely that that needed to end, right? So in a sense that's a win, but it's kind of like out of the fire, out of the frying pan into the fire, right? I mean with David Zaslav and the way that they're approaching, uh, you know the. These the situation for for Warner Brothers uh, and and cutting you know specifically I think the w- big one that everyone's going to remember is Batgirl and ha- just how much Batgirl uh, and all of the other projects ended up getting uh, axed before they even when their films are more or less complete um, just you know that that's going to be a whole, a big L for the Warner Brothers moving forward and even just the rest of the slate well there are a couple of wins that they have, which we'll talk later but you know Black Adam right ended up not not turning over the the the, the um, the power hierarchy in, in the DCEU, right? Fantastic Beats continuing the slow descent of the Wizarding World franchise. Don't worry, darling, just having, you know, a, an interesting opening weekend, but then, you know, ultimately falling apart just due to all the drama behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers, I think, is the second biggest L of the year. But if that's not the, second, if that's not the biggest L, what is the first? Um, well, I think this goes to Disney, frankly speaking, right? And, and they're animated specifically, right? Um, you know, putting Turning Red on Disney+, Plus, right? Um, you know, Anime and, and and pretty much all and and to some degree all animated films that were not the Minions or Bad Guy or Puss in Boots, um, but all animated films really struggled this year. I think right, Strange World in particular. I think is one of the bigger else right, barely you know making not even like being the worst opening of a Disney animated film in Thanksgiving in like or frankly any Disney animated film in like nearly twenty years is a terrible I, situation. You know they, the the training of people to put uh, to expect Disney films to come to Disney Plus eventually right and re- eroding the number of time people will. Re- see repeat views in the box office Lightyear you know not even making a hundred million dollars in its opening weekend uh, and being a bit of a flop right? That all culminated, I think, in Bob Chapik finally being out ousted, you know, in, in Q4, um, kind of out of nowhere, right, and, uh, and Bob Iger retaking the reins after retiring, right? I mean, I think Disney really needs to do some, some soul-searching, and that doesn't even get into the whole Don't Say Gay Bill situation with with Bob Chappick and how that all in, impacted stuff there. I mean, you know, this, this is a sign that I think... Warner Brothers and Disney, while they do have some successes, right? I think they really need to soul search and figure out what it is they want to do, and what it, and how they can, you know, how it'll, how it'll move forward uh, with the companies and their strategy moving forward. Um, out in between, you know, the the best and the worst. Uh, I'm gonna say okay, the most the most bad performance, right? Um, I think it was overblown how bad the uh, MCU films this year performed, right? Black Panther, Thor: Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. I mean, they all did fine, right? They made a ridiculous amount of money, more money than any of us will have on our own in our lifetime. Now, did they break records? No. Did they make a billion dollars? No. Uh, but, you know, given, again, the situation with China, right, I think that is a reasonable— they did a reasonable performance. They basically matched what the previous films did uh, in the similar markets. The, I think it was a case of just too much high expectations combined with some MCU fatigue from Disney Plus shows, which I would put in the L category um, of, of diluting the MCU brand. But at the end of the day, I think that the most met performance of the year was the MCU box office. Uh, moving on then to my final, you know, the best of the best of the year. Um, again, I have some honorable mentions, right? So, you know, honorable mention, I'll give to Elvis and Batman as being the only successes of Warner Brothers, right? Elvis legging it out and Batman, you know, kind of putting, having the Batman Reeves-verse, uh, you know, kind of being its own thing, immune from, from the James Gunn DC U, DCU, um, which I guess is another win. like bringing in James Gunn uh, to, to manage DCU. Um, another honorable mention, RRR, the Indian film, actually opened to number one for the year globally and it's actually due Doing so well, um, becoming so beloved It actually has a shot at at least a couple Of Oscar nominations ahead of it Another honorable mention, we mentioned, you know, Bros uh, being, uh, you know, a bit of a a, bit of a, a failure for a, a romantic comedy, but Ticket to Paradise is, I think, a, a sleeper hit of the year. Um, it made $170 million on a $60 million production budget. You know, it shows that a well-done romantic comedy, especially targeting the right audience, is there, um, which Bros was not. Ticket to Paradise definitely was. And then final honorable mention, Terrifier 2. This is a super micro-budget indie film, less than a quarter of a million dollars in production budget, and up making $10 million at the box office. That is like what, like a 40 times its production budget return on investment? That is insane. Um, and pretty much only over the course of the month of Halloween. So yeah, I mean, Terrifier 2 definitely gets an honorable mention here. So what are the top five stories of the year? Uh, first off, I'll say the Avatar performance is probably the number one for me. It was number five for me. Um, you know, I mean, it didn't live up to the, the major pre-expectations we had, but I mean, it's going to make it, it made a billion dollars in, in less, than, less than two weeks, right? It's going to be the highest ghosting film of the year. James Cameron still has it. Never doubt James Cameron. I, I, I strongly suspect at this point we will see an Avatar 4 and an Avatar 5 within our lifetimes. Well, hopefully. Uh, number four, uh, this is a bit subjective and kind of more than my personal taste, but I love seeing the fact that anime movies have done really well this year. Um, in particular, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero kind of uh, filling in uh, in the earlier part of the year and, and kind of you know staying in theaters much more than just like the initial two weeks you'd normally expect for an anime film. And then Dragon Ball S- Super superhero actually being, a, well, I believe, the first number one anime opener in decades, right? I mean, you know, yes, we had Deep Train last year um, make number one, but this is the second weekend. Dragon Ball Super actually opened to number one, right? When was the last time we saw an anime film open to number one? Um, and with more anime films coming, I highly, I strongly ex- expect to see more of these uh, coming in the future. Uh, number three this year, you know, Paramount in general. Um, again, aside from Babylon, you know, I'll say Smile, you know, was a was a was a great hit. Sonic Two, great hit. Lost City made a hundred million dollars. Scream, um, you know, did pretty well early on the year. Jackass Forever, you know, underrated underrated box office success. I mean, Paramount has been knocking it out of the park. Again, aside from Babylon and Pause of Fury, um, you know, Sony, I think was in consideration for this spot on the list um, but you know they had a couple more flops so i will say they did pretty well with uncharted uh as uh, uncharted as, as one of theirs um, but you know bullet train i think maybe held uh, sony back from taking this spot uh, number two, you know, I think I'm gonna say, you know, maybe maybe will have this as a number one, but Top Gun Maverick. Um, I mean, what more can be said? You know, it's currently the number one. Will probably be the number two movie of the year. No one expected what a forty-year, almost forty-year-old France, uh, sequel, uh, you know, to a to a, what is essentially a glorified, um, you know, navy naval commerc- naval naval air force commercial, um, to actually be the highest-grossing film of the year, and you know, be the highest-grossing film in the last weekend of summer, right? I mean, you know hatched off to Top Gun, hatched off to Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think much more can be said. And so that leaves the number one story of the year. I think for me personally, and this is probably my also my preference for the film coming into play here, but... Everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, it, it is it is uh, kind of little film that could, right? It released at South by Southwest. Uh, it had, for the longest time until the world filmed it, the highest per theater average uh, of the year for any film. Um, you know, it became A24's first $100 million grocer uh, worldwide. Um, it's the highest ghosting film domestically. Uh, it ended up, you know... It, now, you know, we're, it, we're seeing it be a major camp. I mean, first off, we've ne- I don't think we've ever seen a film from South by Southwest go on to be a major Oscar contender. You have a film about the weird, it's the best multiverse film of the year, beating out Doctor Strange by a mile. It ended up, you know, I mean, you have a fight with, with butt plugs and hot dog fingers and kung fu. And, you know, from the guys who made a film about a farting corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe, I mean, who would have expected it to be as successful as it was, right? Um, and now it's a major Oscar contender, it could very well win Best Picture, if not many other categories. I believe, you know, K, the return of Kei Quan Kwan, uh, you know, to acting after 30 years, right? Um, and now probably going to win Best Supporting Actor in, in Knock on Wood, right? I mean, you know, everything, all at once, you know, it's success, at the Oscars is tied to its box office success, but its box office success is also tied to the success of the film. I think honestly, Everything Everywhere All At Once is everything, I think that filmmaking can be, right? If Top Gun is the big end of that, right, and, you know, the, the, the big spectacle of a film and what it could be and everything ever all at once is the small intimate films that have ambition and can really reach an audience, you know, and, and prove that, you know, taking risks and, and being creative can, can pay off, right? Um, and, you know, frankly, I'm really glad that these are the two films that encapsulate the best of 2022 uh, at the box office because they're, I think, really what films can and should be about on the opposite end of the spectrum, and with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode and for this year. Uh, we're gonna take a break next week, uh, and you know, depending on how I feel, you know, if, if, if I, I have to catch up on work and I'm too busy, hopefully I'll, I'll have time to, to cover uh, the box office uh, for January six. Will be the next episode back, uh, but you know, until then, have a happy holidays, happy New Year's to you and yours. If you have any news or any things you want me to cover, any questions, send me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at Twitter at bo watch podcast, Our on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, I at very least tell a friend. And any of that helps uh, numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com link to learn out to music from Kevin MacLeod his stuff has been so at io. editing for the next time at Media until next time next year this has been the box office watch happy new year and remember our watch goes on